In today's Live Treasured podcast, Victory Through True Repentance. It's Eileen Thompson, founder of Treasured Ministries, and I want to welcome you to the Live Treasured podcast, where we believe that intimacy with God paves the way for inner healing as you walk by faith, one beautiful, bold, brave step of faith at a time. And speaking of inner healing, we've been talking about the difference between the instant quick fix the formulas that never work versus that lasting transformation that can happen through the Holy Spirit. And today we are wrapping up our series. If you're brand new to the podcast, I want to encourage you to uh, go to iTunes. You can subscribe to our podcast and listen to the first four episodes um, in this series on transformation. But the reason I'm passionate about this is because inner healing was something that I heard about for years and I felt like I chased but never fully experienced until I had a revelation of what God wanted me to do and how he transforms. And so I'm not going to go and review all the prior podcasts before you can listen to those, but that's what we've been talking about. And today I want to talk about, frankly, I'm going to talk about two things. I'm going to talk about, um, uh, and both of these things really God has been dealing with with me on and, and showing me new um, new insight on, uh, which is exciting. You know, it used to be that I didn't, I kind of feared like what the Holy Spirit and him bringing conviction. Now I understand that when God points out things in my life that need to change, it is because he wants to heal me. It's, it's because there's a new direction that we're going in. And now what I looked at this lifetime process of sanctification uh, that we're all on, I love it. I get excited about it. Um, and I know too, that when God begins to direct me and move me in a new direction, that also means that his power is going to be there to help me or to be the very catalyst that changed me. And so I don't have to live in defeat. I can get excited about the journey. And even along the way, as I'm living by the spirit, setting my mind on the spirit and surrendering to the spirit, as we talked about in the last two episodes, I'm going to have uh, mistakes and, and mess ups. And the first thing that I, and so we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about the power of true repentance and how that plays into the lasting transformation uh, that happens inside of your life and really what true repentance really is and what that looks like and why that's so important. So we're going to be talking about that, um, which is important because there's going to be lots of mess ups and mistakes, you know, and especially when you begin to walk in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, when you're open to God revealing things inside of your life that need to go, that need to change. And it 
could be, you know, it could be that he wants to work on something internally to you. It could be externally. There could be a relationship that's got to go. Whatever it is, whatever God wants to cut out of your life, when you start living in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and being open to that, um, God will begin to show you those things that have to go. And true repentance, true repentance, we're going to talk about that today, is how the change happens. It's how the healing happens. And again, if you're not truly operating a true repentance, but you're doing other things, it's like you're trying to heal by yourself without God's help. And you know, the enemy of your soul, he just loves that. He loves it when you don't go to God to get his help his way. He loves to put shame on you so that you'll hide and try to handle the thing on your own. When Jesus says, come to me um, and and let me bring healing inside of your life. So we're going to be talking about repentance. And I'm also going to be sharing with you something like, like really sort of taking you on a journey, showing you how God has been working with me on anger and just that process that he's been taking me on um, to bring healing in that avenue inside of my life. And I'm sharing that with you to show you because I think it just illustrates everything everything uh, that we've been been talking about. And I'm like, watch out. Because anytime, you know, you share about your life and your story and what God is doing, you know, there's going to be a, a test and temptation from the enemy. But uh, but the Lord has prepared me and his power lives uh, inside of me. And that's where I stand. So uh, I just praise his name for that. The first thing that I want to point out to you about repentance is that it kind of like gets a bad rap Um, or we think that love means that the Holy Spirit will never point out sins to us inside of our life. And, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, in the gospel of Mark, um, I love Mark's gospel because it's action-oriented, kind of gets straight to the point. But, you know, it begins in that first chapter. Um, And one of the very first things that Jesus says in the gospel, actually, it is the first thing that Jesus says in the gospel of Mark, Mark 1, Mark 1, excuse me, verse 15. um, Jesus says, the time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near, and then wait for it, repent of your sins. And believe the good news. So if repentance was not a loving thing, if it was not a good thing, Jesus wouldn't have told us that. So I say that to say you don't have to be afraid of it. You like get excited and and get ready about it. And here's the thing, here's the problem. We become Christians and we know what we need to be doing. It's not getting done. We jump into either behavior modification Um, And then the other part that we don't do is that we don't truly repent. We do other things instead. Instead, we do other things instead. And, And to me, repentance is about going to God and owning the thing, right? That's confession. And, 
you know, really seeing it for what it is, which is sin. I told this story last week, but when God was breaking me free from codependency, I praise God that he did that. So, hell, I'm so thankful that I don't live under that bondage anymore because that's exactly what it was bondage other people but when when he was breaking me free from that what one of the turning points was when he showed me that the people pleasing letting other people have first place in my life that it was sin and showing me to a point where i was broken i was crying and on the face, while my, the, you know, before the Lord, truly sorry and truly understanding for the first time that it wasn't cutesy wootsy, like 10 steps to get rid of people pleasing. And I can't say no to everybody that it was, it was idolatry. It was idolatry. And you, a lot of times with those idols in our life that are strongholds, we have to go through a lot of stuff, right? I mean, and the truth about it is, is that God will not let the idols work for you. He loves you way too much. And so anyway, the point being that when I became broken about my sin and owned it, and then went to God and then said to God, I I want, I want to be free from this. Show me how. That's, that's when it starts. Um, and I love how in, in our podcast next week, you're going to hear from a woman who um, walked through a lot of trauma um, after she um, had an abortion. She walked through a lot of trauma, but then experienced healing. And one of the things that she said to me that I think is so profound, it goes right along with what we're talking about, is that she said, you know, um, the receiving God's forgiveness happens in a moment but the healing is a process and it happens for a lifetime and for example i re- i confessed i received god's forgiveness for my idolatry of man but then there was a process of walking it out but that was the pivotal moment where i was going to god to get help and the bible tells us over and over and over again that is what we do. And again, that's not depending on my power. That's coming to God to get his help. Now, there have also been times in my life that I've gone to God and I'm like, God, I don't really want your help in that area, right? I didn't really want to change. But when we sincerely go to God and say, I see this, I own it, I, I like it is sin, help me. That's when God will really start leading you. And we turn to God and repent means you're turning away, right? You turn away from the idols in your life and you turn towards God and you stop pretending that everything is okay or that sin is, well, you know, you justify all these sorts of things. You go to God to get the help. And this is an illustration that I can give at this point. So I had these like, like these red bumps that started appearing on my face right around my nose. And 
I thought, well, maybe it's acne. And so I tried to put all these different creams on it. That actually made it worse. Um, and then what I would do is I just started to camouflage it. I used concealer and put my little concealer on. And that worked temporarily. But every time I would wash my face, there the red bumps would be. And finally, a friend of mine said, I'd go to the dermatologist about that. And so I did. And I found out it was um, actually something that needed an antibiotic ointment for it that only the doctor could give me. I could not go like to the drugstore and get it or Target. It would not matter how much I washed my face. It didn't matter how much concealer I put on until I dealt with the root of the problem. The red bumps uh, would still be there. And so I'm in the process of putting that on and it's, it's going away. But you know, a lot of times, this is how I feel about repentance. It's like, you know, I could not get healed from the little rib bumps until I went to go see the doctor, until I got their prescription to tell me what to do. And a lot of times, it's like we're putting concealer on the sin or we're not addressing it, I guess, because of shame. But here's the thing, the whole confession and repentance thing, it that is how we deal with it. That's how we deal with it. So um, instead of doing that, right, I'm going to be listing out some of the ways that I've tried to deal with um, sin inside of my life, how I've tried to fix it, how I've tried to not deal with it God's way. See, the shame is released from our life through forgiveness, through confession, through, and the change happens through repentance. And all that happens, again, it's like going to God, going to the physician and saying, what do I need to do to heal, right? And going back to my illustration, before that, the dermatologist, I just kept trying different things and I was putting concealer on and hiding it from people. And you know what that did? It hit it for a while, but it never got to the root of the problem. It was only when I went to the doctor, all makeup off, said, can you look at this and tell me what to do? That's repentance. That is repentance. And you do not have to be afraid of that. In fact, it's the most beautiful thing to get on your face before God and to go to him and to bear your soul and to be authentic with him. You know, 1 John 1, 9 says that we need to walk in the light with God, right? That that is where the healing comes. And, you know, walking in the light is being authentic. And here's the deal. Here's the dealio. The other thing is, is that without authenticity, there is no intimacy. And here's the other surprising thing. God already knows he already knows, friends. He knows it. He knows it. And he doesn't want to condemn you. He wants to heal you. He wants to heal you, all right? But we do all these other things instead of repentance. Why? Because of shame. And shame is an awful feeling. And so we're trying to get rid of the shame. That's what we're trying to get rid of. And instead of going to God, confession and repentance, 
and get on our way to healing through connecting the power of the Holy Spirit, we delay transformation because we're doing all these other things instead to try to soothe the shame or get rid of the shame or to try um, and uh, and change. And so um, I've listed out some of the things that I've done <laughs> instead of repentance. And maybe you can identify with this, but it's always good to sit down and do this so that you can begin to see like when when you're doing it inside of your own life. And here's the thing is that a lot of these behaviors they're taught to us by the way that we were brought up. They're taught to us by the world. Um, and so we don't we don't repent. And repentance is not a bad thing. It's not a condemning thing. It's like, this is the gospel. <laughs> this is like how we get help, people. All right. So, but... But because shame is powerful and because we see other things happen, here's, here's some ways that we hide or, um, or, or try to heal. Number one, in the past, I've tried to change everybody else around me, right? Like, that's what people-pleasing is. If I can just get other people to like me, or really, it's like control, controlling other people um, around you. And what is that? I'm trying to fix it by fixing others or by controlling others. And that is not how you change. Uh, Another thing that I've tried to do is um, trying, you know, I'm trying to control like all the variables and all the circumstances inside of my life. You know, that shame, that can give you sort of an out of control feeling. And sometimes we reason, I need to change the government. I need to change the school. I need to change this organization. I need to change everybody else but me. And really, and you know, and as I list all these things, it could be that the Lord calls you to do that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. But what I'm saying is, is that when this takes the place of you going to God and getting your own change, right? Like, just imagine the world that we would have if Christians, if we were really walking in truth, we'd be reflecting God's, people would want to be, you know, believers. But if we're so focused on changing other people, trying to control other people, um, it's a way that we sort of avoid um, changing us. And, And it's exhausting too. It really is. Because you think you don't have control over your flesh. You certainly don't have control over other people's flesh. And it is exhausting. But it does let you justify your actions and not address them. So that's that's why I did it in the past. Sometimes we can even blame God. Sometimes we can even blame God. Um, I... Uh, received a message um, from somebody the other day, and they were saying, I prayed and I asked God to give me the desire to do it, but he just didn't. And she was talking about an area of obedience inside of, of our life. And so do you, and, it, and, and what she said could be true. I mean, some we talked about this yesterday. Sometimes does God doesn't, following him, not every time is this, lollipops and you know you you want to do it a lot of times we have to lay down our will 
um, to walk in the spirit. And that once we take that first step, I talked about how the spirit will absolutely meet you there, but initially it's not going to do that. And, you know, God gives us a role to play, but do you see how, like, when we blame God, I don't feel like doing it. He didn't change my heart about this. It doesn't solve it, but it is a way that I can justify my actions and why I'm not doing something, right? It's God's fault. Okay. All right. The next thing is um, the the other thing that we do, and I've certainly done this, is that, you know, we want things both ways. We want, you know, to have our idols and serve the Lord. I think about the rich young ruler. Yeah, let's stop talking about me for a while. But I, I think about the rich young ruler um, in in uh, the Gospels and how, you know, he, the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, um, and, and then he goes through the list of things that he has done. You know, I followed the, and basically it was the Ten Commandments, you know, I've done all this. And then Jesus comes back and he says, um, go sell your possessions and follow me. And then it says that he went away sad. Why? Because the one thing that God wanted him to give, he wouldn't give it. And when we operate in repentance, like everything has to be on the table, everything. And it will look different for everybody. But it's it's sort of like um, I heard recently um, a friend of mine who is going through some um, biblical marriage counseling. Um, they were talking about how a lot of times a spouse will give a wife like a million things, but not the one thing she she really desires. In other words, the husband will be a great provider. He'll um, do all these other things, but what she's really looking for is for the husband to spend quality time with her and to talk to her, and that's the one thing that uh, that she wants. Um, and in similar fashion, you know, we we can do the same thing with God. We decide what we're going to repent on, right? Like these parts are easy to me, and and inside of the Christian walk. We will all have those strongholds, you know, where the enemy has to do business, where we will have to lay it down. But there is nothing that you lay down for God that he asks you to lay down that it won't be a huge blessing, right? So when you go to the doctor, you don't decide like what to do. You let the doctor tell you what to do. I mean, if I went and I said, I'm just going to keep wearing concealer, it wouldn't got rid, rid of my red bumps. When we go to God and when we repent, we need to come with the attitude of everything needs to be um, on the table. The other way that I've avoided repentance is the victim mentality, mercy. I need to do a whole podcast about this one. Because boy, did I, and I have to watch it because I can still do it. But one area that I would center on would be to blame my childhood and my past. And here's, here's the deal with that. 
you could have a right to citing whatever happened in your childhood to be the way that you are. And I would reach right through this podcast mic and hug you and ask you if you want to go for coffee and take a walk. So I'm not saying get over it, but what I am telling you is that for years I held on to that. And now I can see that while it was true because what we marinate in growing up creates a mindset that does have an impact on our life. But what's the reality of the gospel? I have a new heavenly father. God is also a nurturing, loving mother. There's scriptures about that too. I have a heavenly husband. Every single relational need can be met with the Lord. And so, was I justified in saying that? Yeah. Was it true? Of course. Would it move me forward? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know what? We live inside of a broken world that can be so hard. And all of us, some of us more than others, but all of us have experienced brokenness in an area inside of our life. And looking back in your past to see past patterns is good to do. I believe in doing that. But there has to be a point, as there was with me, I remember I was sitting in church and I'll never forget, it, they were talking about past patterns that happened from family. And then they said, but the truth is, is that you do have a heavenly father. And that's how we move forward, right? Because really, that keeps us stuck. And instead of repenting for, you know, the codependency or, or the workaholism or the performance mentality that I had, instead of owning it, I could just play a victim. I'm bitter because. I'm all of these things uh, because. And so hear me when I say this. And you know what? There's a lot of grieving that we should do and mourning about our past. But then there's a time where the Holy Spirit is is ready to move you on because that is going to keep you stuck inside of your past. Um, and it prevents you from repenting. The reason why I'm doing this is because of that. All right. The next thing is that we blame the enemy. Now, here again, could be right. The enemy's a tempter, all of those sorts of things. But if you just blame the enemy... And stay in that, you won't take your personal responsibility of repentance because the enemy tempts, but then we choose. Now, let me tell you something that the other piece of sanctification, lasting transformation that I see is that, you know, God leads us step by step by step. In other words, he is consistently revealing to us new areas where we need to change. And so, and so sometimes we're not even aware of the temptation. I mean, 
you know, my codependency days, I thought that I was doing the right thing by never telling anybody no, right? I, I didn't see that it was sin. And it was very easy for the enemy to tempt me. Um, but, you know, when God brings it to light, stop blaming the enemy. God has given you his armor. God has given you authority over him. And the reason why I'm sharing this tough love message with you is because what I've seen is that when I'm recognizing what I'm using to soothe my shame or to justify my actions or to not follow the Holy Spirit, when I'm using that instead of true repentance, I stay stuck. I stay stuck. And so recognizing all this is good. And again, um, there's certainly no judgment for me. I just told you that I have this list because these are things that I've I've done and recognized in my own life. Um, We also look to people to soothe the shame instead. Now, sometimes, like, I would just look for sympathy from people. What I was really looking for was to get rid of the shame. It was receive God's forgiveness, repent, and, and move on. That's what I was really looking for. But... It was so much better to just vent to a friend and just get their sympathy. And you know what? Sometimes we need to process and and talk it through with a friend. But, you know, sometimes we like lean on sympathy to a point that we're using it to soothe the shame. There are even um, cases where people will... um, consistently be sick or or have an illness or whatever it is because they want that sympathy when really what they're looking for is that true repentance um, from God. And really what God wants us to do um, is not to look to an outside person or the other thing is that there's outside substances, food, alcohol, all of those things soothe the shame we don't have to repent. We don't have to deal with the thing. We just keep Pandora's box closed. Thank you. But the problem with that, it's kind of like my concealer. It conceals the red bumps for a while, but then they emerge, right? So you got to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. The other thing is attacking other people like it's all their fault, projecting your issues on somebody else. Um, and see, what God wants us to do is to take, and why, why I'm pointing all this out is because that's not going to help you change. Where does lasting transformation come from? It comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when God convicts us, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, we can come to him and repent and find freedom. And that's why Jesus tells us to repent. You know, in John's gospel, in the eighth chapter, there's that story of the woman caught in adultery. And in chapter eight, verse 10, Jesus says, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus says, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So he said, go and sin no more. He didn't say, go and fix the Pharisees. Go and defend yourself. Go and do, he said, go and sin no more. Now, don't miss verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, 
You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, what is darkness? You know, it's a lot of things. It's our past. It's all of these things. But I think, too, it's really the opposite of repentance. It's hiding our sin instead of bringing it out into the light. First John uh, 1 First uh, John 1, 1, 9. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So Jesus said, I don't condemn you, but now come and follow me. That's the message. That's where lasting transformation uh, needs, needs to happen. All right, so I said that I was going to talk about my own issues. And I think that this will just be like a blessing. Um, So God began to convict me really about the words that I was using and about anger, really. And, you know, not so much like yelling my, you know, yelling or raising my voice, but God began to show me passive aggressiveness um, or just passive you know, comments or just little things like that that were seeping into my conversation. And he actually began to show me this this summer. And when you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit like that, God will just start to reveal this stuff to you. And over time, God showed me, you know, to a point where I was sad, brokenhearted about it. And so, um, and so I went to God. And so one reaction could be, like, um, well, it's all these people who are driving me crazy. It's all their fault, right? Or like, well, if all these people are trying to control my circumstances or blaming the enemy, the enemy tempted me, and that's why I said that and blah, blah, blah. But when you come to God, and I was like, Lord, I see this. I see this as sin. And you know, when God convicts me, when I know the Holy Spirit is getting ready to do a work, normally how it happens with me, with like when I know like, okay, this is going to be a thing, like we're going to be doing this for a while. It's like the Holy Spirit will start to nudge and nudge and nudge. And I'll start to hear what I call a God echo, like the same theme is going to be inside my Bible study that's going to be preached about on Sunday at church. And I know that God is speaking and it, it comes in on my radar. And so I'm aware of it. Right. And when I come to God and when I repent, that's when, so it was like, okay, Lord, show me how, and do you know what God, what God showed me? And I told you I was in in the Beatitudes, um, God showed me to lay down all my expectations on people. Every single one of them. Lay them down. That's what God told me to cut out. Now, the process, and so can you see from that where there was sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, there was that conviction. Then there was owning it and coming to God, right? Like how I came to that dermatologist to get help. Lord, I see this now. I don't want to do it anymore. Show me how to change. And then God giving me that answer. And that 
has made the biggest difference. It has made the biggest difference. Like I want to shout hallelujah difference. Now, the point that I want to make to you about is the Lord started speaking to me about this in the summertime, like probably around July. So it's it's mid-February right now as I'm recording this podcast. And so my point is so many things, but just to say to you that it is a process. But it because I've gotten my battle plan from the Lord and I'm got my marching orders from him, I know that this is the key that he's given to me to alleviate uh, to alleviate that anger. I really should do a whole podcast on that whole thing. I'm not really doing it justice, but we're already we're already approaching 40 minutes. So I won't do that now, but maybe I'll record another podcast on that. And and you know, my anger, it was it was more like I, I was very angry because um, that's one of the things I think when you walk through codependency, God has to heal you over. Because when you've spent your life you know, being codependent, you're codependent on people. And so a lot of times people let you down and all this sort of stuff like that. And I think there was this residue of expectations on people. And God told me to lay down every expectation I had on man. Just expect nothing. Now, that didn't mean I don't draw boundaries. It doesn't mean any of that. You know, I'm a big believer in boundaries. You know, when you come and listen to my podcast, one of the things I want to teach women is how to set boundaries. So it doesn't mean that. But letting go of my expectations on man, cutting that out of my life has been a huge game changer. And again, I'm not doing this whole process justice. I'm not taking you inside the scriptures where God showed me inside of all my journals. But I want to point out that it was led by the Lord, the whole thing. And it was when I saw it, because God opened my eyes to it, and then confessed it, that the Lord gave me a battle plan to handle it. Really not to handle it. Really to walk in freedom from it. Because anger is a very um, controlling emotion. And God, God does, he wants you to be free, right? So that you can follow him. So I hope that this whole series was helpful. This lasting transformation uh, was helpful. And... You know, the greatest treasure about lasting transformation is that your relationship with God grows so much deeper. Hey, if you're interested in supporting what we do at Treasured Ministries and being a part of an amazing online community, I want to invite you to join the Treasured Tribe. Just go to our website and click on the blue button that says join the Treasured Tribe. As always, it is such a joy to bring you this podcast every week. And I'm so thankful for you. Hey, have a great week. 
And it's time to draw the line against the enemy and walk in victory through that daily dependence on the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.